So great that you guys are here with us. You know, we have two other campuses going on right now too, Freeman and Otis. Like, how great is that? I'm so excited for today, right? Yeah, someone's like, yeah, there we go, right? We're starting this brand new series called The Passion. And I love this word, passion. Like, it's absolutely incredible. If you look it up in the English dictionary, it means strong and barely controllable emotion, like slash Eric, like, I feel like I fit right here. Like, this is, this is me. Like, I am excited about everything. Sometimes people are like, Eric, what are you so excited about? Uh, I don't know. I'm just real excited. Like, I'm just excited, right? Like, we're at church. It's amazing. And I just love, love this word. Actually, so much so that if you came up to me at any point in time and you're like, hey, Eric, do you have passion? I would re- probably respond with a no. I am passion. Like, I'm just loving it. Like, this is great, right? And this word passion, uh, I also love the fact that it has more than one definition in our English dictionary. So if you look it up, the first definition as what I just told you, but the second definition is the suffering and death of Jesus. Yeah, that rings a little heavier, right? It's like, oh, that was a little bit different, but, but it goes hand in hand with the first definition because it's strong and barely controllable emotion and everything about the suffering and death of Jesus, it just spews emotions, right? Because emotions aren't always just happy, right? Sometimes they're sad, sometimes they're angry. Like emotions are many different things and I have all of them all bundled up inside of me, barely able to keep control. Like I'll be watching a perfectly happy movie like Moana and I'll be crying, don't know why, but it seems sad, and I'm crying. My wife is laughing at me, and I'm like, no, it's sad. She's like, no, this is not a sad part, <laughs> like, but I feel like it is, right? Like, passion, emotions, and it's absolutely incredible that we get to walk through this six-week series on the passion. See, over the next six weeks, we're going to be diving into the seven phrases that Jesus spoke from the cross. The seven phrases, and it's all leading up to this amazing day that we celebrate, right? Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, and it's all leading up to that. And so we're gonna walk through this story, and I'm gonna tell you every week, it's gonna bring about different types of passion. Like sometimes you're gonna be real sad, sometimes you're gonna be real happy, but it's gonna be a lot of emotion. So buckle up, I hope you're ready. It's gonna be great. I'm absolutely excited to dive into this. But before we get into the suffering and death of Jesus, I feel like we need a little backstory. And so we're gonna go through a high-speed recap. You ready? High-speed recap. Jesus, son of God, came down to this earth, fully man, fully God. Both exist. I don't know how. My brain like jams up thinking about it. But fully God, fully man, Jesus came down to this earth. We learn about this over Christmas through the Christmas story. And we learn that Jesus is here on this planet. Jesus walked this earth as a perfect human being, something that you and I cannot achieve. If you're in the room, you're like, come on, I thought I was on a roll. Sorry, you can't achieve it. You're not perfect, neither am I. But Jesus was, Jesus is, and always will be, right? So Jesus walked a perfect life on this planet. He performed crazy, amazing miracles, right? He healed the sick. He healed the blind. He healed the crippled. He fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people with just a small little amount of food. Like Jesus did all of these things. Calm the storms with his spoken word. Incredible, just incredible things that Jesus did on this planet. And there were 12 people that followed him around everywhere. We call them the 12 disciples. 
Jesus taught them, poured into their lives, showed them what it meant to walk with Jesus, literally. Like how incredible would that be? They got a firsthand account of who Jesus was and they followed him everywhere. But you gotta understand back in this time, like this was some pretty radical stuff. Like just walking up to somebody and saying, hey, you're healed, pretty radical. And so these 12 disciples are following him. They know who Jesus actually is. But then there were all these other people that were like, hmm, hold up. This is weird. This is strange, right? Even in the Jewish uh, culture, then they were like, I feel like you're blaspheming God. You're disrespecting God by claiming that you're the son of God as a man. Like, I, I don't think so, right? So there's these people that are not on board with it. And they're getting angry and they're getting upset. And they're like, this Jesus, we got to get rid of him, right? And so we're walking through this story. And we're going to spend majority of the time in Luke 23, but a couple of the events leading up. In Luke 19, Jesus walks into this place called Jerusalem, knowing that this will be the beginning of his suffering. Knowing this is it, right? Jesus knows what has to be done. And so he walks into this place, and on that night, they, he had supper. He had the last supper is what we call it, actually where we get communion from, with his 12 disciples. But Jesus knew one more thing. Jesus knew that out of the 12 disciples, there were one of them that was going to betray him. Like, can you imagine sitting around dinner table? Like, just picture it with your family. One of the family members is going to betray you. You're like, my kids every day. No, uh, <laughs> one of the family members gonna betray, like Jesus knew, like I would be talking about it. I'd be like dropping hints and be like, hey, you can change your mind. Like, and Jesus actually spoke up. I love this about Jesus. He's like, hey, uh, one of you is gonna betray me. Like I, I'd be like, me? No, him? Oh, I bet it's him. Like I'd be like pointing at, I'm just not a great person sometimes. But one of them is gonna betray Jesus and Jesus knows it, right? And that one is Judas. Judas is gonna betray Jesus. See, Judas went to the chief priests and he said, hey, I can get you to a place where Jesus is somewhat alone and you can capture him and you can arrest him. Jesus is gonna betray Jesus and or, or, Judas is gonna betray Jesus, right? Judas, Jesus, they're both J words. Judas is gonna betray Jesus. And scripture tells us that in the moment where Judas betrayed him, that Satan had a hold of his, his heart, like was pulling him a direction here. And so Judas was gonna betray him. After dinner, they go and pray. Jesus is real good at praying. Read through this scripture in, in Luke 22. Uh, uh, the disciples fell asleep. It's great. It's great. You're like, no, we're praying. Ah, I got tired. I fall asleep while praying. Anyways, Jesus is praying. And then a crowd approaches him with Judas. And Judas approaches him. And Jesus is like, really? This is, this is where you're going to betray me? And so it happens. They arrest Jesus. And so Jesus has been arrested and then he has to walk through six different trials. The first three trials that he walked through, he was actually announced guilty under the old Jewish law. They're like guilty, blasphemy against God, he's guilty. And then he walked through the next three trials. And in his final trial, his sixth trial, he's standing before Pilate. Pilate's a Roman leader at this time. And Pilate goes through all of the information. He hears him out. He's like, okay, what are we gonna do? And Pilate says, hey, we're gonna flog Jesus, whip him, right? And then release him. But the crowd wasn't having it. See, Pilate was like, I can't find any reason why this man Jesus should die. Like, I, I, I can't do it. But the crowd is like, no, 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 no. He must die. 
And they started chanting, crucify him, crucify him. He must die. Like, have you ever been so passionate about something and then later realized you were severely wrong? I have. And most of the time when I get found out, I'm like, ah, I still think I'm right. Like, no, it's pretty obvious. No, I think I'm right. Like, these people are saying, no, Jesus should die. So much so that there's a man named Barabbas that we're gonna talk about in scripture in just a moment. Barabbas is in prison for murder. And, and the people are like, hey, why don't you just swap him and Jesus? Release this murderer and put Jesus in his place and give him the same sentence. Kill him. And they pleaded, and they chanted, they yelled, and they screamed. Finally, they convinced Pilate. Pilate changed his verdict. He said, okay, Jesus gets the death penalty, and we're going to release Barabbas but I'm gonna give Jesus to you to do with him as you wish because I don't want any part of it. See, this is where the passion begins. This is where the suffering and death of Jesus begins. You see, Jesus was flogged and Romans were very good at this. This is not something you wanna be known for, but Romans were good. They had these thick leather straps. They weren't like these tiny little whips, like thick leather straps with different objects on them, rocks and and metal shards. Like they were meant for tearing through the skin. They were meant for that. That's what they were designed for. And he was flogged so much so, so many times that you and I wouldn't live through it. We would have lost too much blood, but Jesus still lived. He was beaten. And then they forced him to walk through Jerusalem to the place where he was going to be crucified, to the place where they were gonna hang him on a cross. And they made him carry his own cross, this giant wooden cross that he was gonna be hanged. They made him carry it through the town and they mocked him and ridiculed him and spit on him. He was suffering. He was in great, great pain. Brutal, brutal pain. Luke 23, verse 23. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wish. Verse 26, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming into the countryside. The soldier seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. Listen closely to this, because Jesus, his body is broken. It's beaten. He's bleeding. He's suffering. He's barely able to walk, but Jesus is still, still working. Verse 28, but Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills. See, Jesus is still teaching. He's referring to a time that's gonna come for Jerusalem in about 40 years, a time of great suffering. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? See, he is referring to himself. He's saying the tree is green, I'm here. I'm here for you guys. I want to show you love and grace and kindness. Like, but you're killing me. Like, what do you think it's going to be like when I'm gone? He's saying it's going to be tough. It's going to be suffering. See, he's still trying to teach them. Verse 32, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. 
When they came to a place called the Skull or Golgotha, in the other Gospels, it's, it's Golgotha, which is the place of a skull. Not an awesome place to go to, I imagine. They nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right <clears throat> and one on his left. See, Jesus is going through a time of great suffering, great pain. Right? He's just now starting his suffering journey. Like He is carrying so much suffering in this moment that you and I can't even imagine, but I do know one thing. Because sin entered this world when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree. Like Sin entered this world and so did suffering. So what I know is either you have already been through suffering, you're currently going through suffering, or you're about to go through suffering. I know that's not an awesome message to hear, but it's the truth. We're all going to endure suffering at some point in our lives because sin is here on this earth. See, my family and I, we went through a time of great suffering just shy of three years ago. You know, and there's a funny thing about suffering. Uh, very rarely do you forget those memories. Like, they just, they're ingrained. See, I remember it so clearly. It was, it was on the weekend. I was still in construction at the time. My wife and I, we lived down in Boise, Idaho. And I went to the job site with my buddy, and I was working. I got a phone call from my wife. And she goes, hey, Eric, something's wrong. I don't feel right. I, I think we need to go to the hospital. You see, what you need to know at this time is my wife was almost 31 weeks pregnant. And we've already been through miscarriages at this point in time. So we're like, no, you don't mess around with this stuff. Like, I'm like, done. I'm heading home. So I speed on home. I get her in the car. And we start driving to the hospital. And the whole time I'm thinking, I think, I think everything's going to be okay. Like, we're probably overreacting. Like, everything's going to be okay. And I'm trying to calm her down. While my wife is in the passenger seat thinking the exact opposite walking through some very realistic things that could happen. And we're processing and we're just trying to stay calm. We're like, hey, let's wait till we get to the hospital. We get to the hospital and, and tell them what's up and they bring us into a room where they have the little ultrasound machine and they start scanning. And I remember it, I was holding my wife's hand. I was on this side of the bed. The bed was right here. There was a nurse over here that was scanning. There was a nurse behind me to my right. And they're scanning, and they found, they found this heartbeat, and it was 145 beats per minute. And they're like, that's low for the baby. Uh, I think that's actually your wife, because she's really worked up right now. And so, like, we're going we're gonna to keep looking. And they keep looking, keep looking, right? And it's that moment in time that, realistically, it probably only took about three minutes. But it felt like years, right? And we're sitting there. We're like, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, we're good. Like, it's going to be okay. And then she stopped scanning. And she goes, I'm so sorry. Right? And in that moment of suffering, like, like just instantly inside my mind, I just wanted to scream out, like, no, check again. Check one more time. I can't be right. See, Jesus is on the cross, suffering. He's been whipped, mocked, ridiculed. He is suffering. I believe that Jesus teaches us a great deal while he's on the cross here. See, the first thing that I believe Jesus teaches us is through suffering, we need God. Through suffering, we need God. I don't know how you get through suffering without him. Through suffering, we need God. You see, the very first word out of Jesus' mouth on the cross was, Father! I believe he said it like that. 
I don't think he was like, Father. I think he was crying out to him like, this is Jesus, the son of God, fully God, fully man. And the first word out of his mouth through suffering is, Father, like crying out to God the Father. You see, through suffering, we need God. Jesus showed us that. We need God. Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. God is there. We need God. In order to get through, we need God. Jesus cried out to God the Father in order to walk through this tough, difficult time. And I know that suffering is in your past, present, or in your future. I don't know what that suffering looks like. Maybe it's struggling with these nasty diseases like cancer. Maybe it's illness in the family. Maybe you're struggling through divorce or maybe, maybe you're, you're a kid and you're struggling because your parents are separated in different houses and you feel like it's all your fault and you don't know what to do with it, but you're suffering, you need God. Maybe you just lost your job and you have no idea how you're gonna provide for your family, you need God. I don't know what that suffering looks like in your life, but what I do know is that you need God. Jesus taught us this. We're there in the hospital room after we heard the news. And my wife was far enough along that the nurse told her that you still have to give birth to this child. That's some tough news to hear after they just told you that you lost the child. So now we have to walk through the same steps that we would have walked through to get this bundle of joy. But yet there's a lot of sadness and passion and emotion through it now. So they transfer us to a, a normal room. And, and I remember my wife is, you know, she's laying down and she's crying. I'm crying, like thinking that we're never gonna stop crying. Like we're hurting, we're in pain. We need God in this moment. And I'm pacing back and forth because I have to make two phone calls. I have to call her parents and I have to call mine. Like, what am I gonna say? It's a great deal of suffering we were walking through. And I'm pacing back and forth and I'm just reaching out to God. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm gonna even speak when they answer the phone. Like I have to tell these soon-to-be grandparents that they're not gonna get a talk with their grandchild. Like, I don't know what to do. I remember so clearly moments that I will never forget. I remember so clearly God just showed up. I'm sitting there and I just felt this overwhelming sense of peace. Like all this suffering, all of this pain, all of this trauma that my, my physical body's going through and my emotions and all of a sudden it was, I can't, can't explain it well enough to you guys, but God showed up. And in that moment, God gave me three words. God gave me three words in that hospital room that day. You see, Jesus is on the cross suffering physically, emotionally. He's suffering to a great magnitude that you and I can't fully comprehend. But I believe there's a second thing that Jesus teaches us in this moment. See, I believe Jesus teaches us that through suffering, God can give us clarity. Through suffering, God can give us clarity. Clarity to see through to see above, to see beyond the suffering, 
right? Because when we're in the suffering, we're in it. We're like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, this is a struggle. I don't know how to get through it. I can't even see past it right now, but God can give us that clarity. And we watch that with Jesus, right? Jesus is on this cross. This is how I picture it. Jesus is on this cross. And when he needs to gain clarity, he steps out of his suffering. You see Jesus right here, and I picture him stepping out down to his knees and into the presence of his father. And in Luke 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, he's here, he's suffering, but he steps out of his suffering to gain clarity. Like, can you imagine you're going through suffering and you're about to die by the hands of these people? And you're asking God the Father to forgive them? That only comes through clarity. See, Jesus in this moment is seeing past the suffering. He's seeing past the situation. His heart goes out knowing that these people, you, me, we all need God. We need a relationship with God. And he's seeing past that because he's cried out to God the Father, because he stepped out of his suffering and into the presence of God. That's why he's got this point of clarity. So I was in the hospital room and God gave me three words. And I was gonna walk right up to my wife and just tell her, but I was just following God's direction in this moment. And, and so I asked her this question. I said, do you see it? Weird question, right? I'll never forget the tears in her eyes. She looked at me, she goes, I think I do. And it was in that moment that I knew that this was from God, that God was showing us clarity through this situation. You wanna know the three words? See the beauty. See the beauty. Confusing three words in that moment of suffering. See the beauty, but see the beauty that God brings through it. See, when we step out of our suffering for a moment to see clarity, like when we look up at God the Father, we can gain clarity on how we're gonna get through it. That's the only way we get through suffering. It's the only way. Because if we never step out and have an intimate experience with God, we never see it. We're stuck in the suffering and the pain and the hurt. See, Jesus stepped out of his suffering, out of his suffering and into the presence of God. So much so, he's asking forgiveness to his enemies, right? In Matthew 5, 44, it says, pray, or but I say to you, I love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Can you imagine? I'll tell you, I'm not good enough for that. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. I'd have a whole nother list of words I'd be saying at him. Like, I'm not good enough for that. Only Jesus is. But Jesus sees the bigger picture. Are you struggling to see past your suffering? Your pain? Are you struggling to see what God is about to do in your life, you have to take a moment to step out of your suffering. See, I, I absolutely love this moment because Jesus has spent his entire life teaching this message, teaching these thoughts, these ideas, these concepts of praying for your enemies, of asking God to forgive them, of reaching out, of showing love and showing grace. But Jesus right now in real time, on the cross, beaten, broken, hurting, in pain, bleeding out, quite literally, 
And he is living out what he has taught his whole life. This is the premise for our entire faith. Jesus willing to sacrifice himself for you and for me. See, he's right here. There's only one thing keeping him on that cross and it's not the nails. See, he's all God. He could come off the cross at any point in time. But he's on this cross because he has passionate love for you and for me. It's that passionate love that is keeping him right here because he knows that this is the only way. This is the only thing that can bring us back into relationship with God the Father. This is the only way. There's no other way. You want to find out there's no other way? Walk through the Old Testament. Try a ton of different ways. This is the only way to bring us back into alignment with God. Jesus has to die here. But he sees that clarity. He sees the beauty in all of these people that are killing him. See, we need God in order to get through suffering. See, later on that night in the hospital room, we had our child, and we decided not to know the gender ahead of time. Um, and so we had our beautiful baby girl, Adeline Raylin. And it was actually a, an amazing moment. God showed us so much beauty in it. It was tough. It was difficult. It was suffering. It was pain. Like the pain will never go away. Anytime I think about it, I just want to break out and cry. But God has shown us so much beauty through it. It's absolutely incredible. The people that walked into our life over the next six to 12 months, we had no idea existed. They reached out and they said, hey, we want to be here for you. We love you. We build relationships that will last forever. There were women that came up to my wife that were like, you look like you have joy. And I just went through what you just went through. I don't have any. Can you show me how to get that joy? See, God put beauty in all of it. Jesus was on this cross. He stepped out. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing because he saw clarity in the moment by focusing on God. He saw the big picture that these people needed to be saved, that you and I needed to be saved, that he had to follow through with this in order for us to be aligned with God the Father. Two weeks later uh, is the day of my daughter's funeral. And I walk down the driveway. I'm in my PJ still. haven't gotten ready. I got a trash can. I put it in the garage. I closed the garage door and I turned around. And I saw this amazing image of a double rainbow right outside my front door. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And all this was for me was God saying, hey, I'm here. This is a time of great suffering in your life, but I'm here. Don't forget that. Don't forget that I'm here for you. See, that's what we need to remember is that through suffering, it's not that God isn't there. God is there. God wants to be there with you through it. He wants to help you see it, but we must step out of our suffering and be able to gain clarity by focusing on God the Father. God is there for you. He always will be. He will never forsake you. He is always there for you. See, it was an amazing time in our lives that we get to look back and see how God worked, what God did in that moment. 
See, Jesus was on the cross. A moment in time, if you were to just look at it and go, that's a sad moment in time. But it's not. You see, there's good news. There's good news moving forward, right? I talked about the fact that we're walking through six weeks of this to lead up to this event called Easter. That's the good news. It's such good news. I hope you see that. Like, yeah, there might be a lot of passionate emotions through this and it's tough. Like, it's so tough to walk through the story of Jesus' suffering, but there's good news on the other side. It's the reason why we believe what we believe. And maybe, maybe you're in the room and you're like, I don't even know if I believe that. But I hope that you can relate to the fact that we all go through suffering. Because you need Jesus. We need God to get through times of suffering. But here's, here's the good news. This is the good news. You may be in the suffering. You may not know how you're gonna walk through the suffering. Maybe you've gotten through the suffering, but it still lingers. It still pains you deep inside. You're like, it's still there. Maybe you're worried that suffering is in the near future. Listen to this. This is the good news. Present suffering is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of your story. It's not the end of Jesus' story. Right? Glimpse into, uh, into six weeks from now, Luke 24, verse 6. He isn't there. He has risen from the dead. That's the good news. Jesus has rose from the dead. He's alive. He's alive today. You see, he went through all of this suffering and great pain so that you and I can be aligned with God the Father so that we can walk through our suffering. Without God, I don't know how you can make it through suffering. But with God, we can see clarity through, above, beyond, past. We can see it. See, if we didn't have God, I don't know how we would have processed losing our daughter. I, I can't even fathom like I just picture destruction. Like I picture me just not opening up, like just clamming shut. Our marriage would be struggling, but God showed us the beauty through it. God helped us walk with each other through the suffering. So maybe stepping out and gaining clarity, you need somebody to walk with. You know, in just a moment, as we worship as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive today, maybe you just need to come on over to the cross and pray. All right, we're gonna have somebody over here at the cross. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Maybe you're like, Eric, I've gone through suffering in my life, but I don't know what this Jesus thing is all about. I'd encourage you, be bold. Step out. Come on over to the cross. We'd love to talk with you about it because the reality is that we all need God in order to make it through suffering, to be able to see past the suffering, to be able to see the reason beyond instead of being stuck in the moment because present suffering is not the end of your story. Present suffering is not the end of Jesus' story. He's alive. He's alive and that is our good news. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. Knowing that life is tough, that suffering is no fun, 
that suffering is difficult and, and sometimes we can't even see past it. It brings us a great deal of pain to walk through suffering, God, but, but we know that you sent your son to walk through suffering that we can't even imagine so that we can see beyond it, God. And so I just pray to you that everyone here today will just take a step out in faith, a step toward you to seek clarity, to be able to see beyond the suffering, to be able to see your love and your grace. God, I pray that you'll be present in this moment today. Make your presence known. God, allow us to open up, to be vulnerable, knowing the suffering that, that you went through. God, you can help us all through suffering. You can show us the good news. So God, I just ask that you will work through that, that we will see you. We will be able to see your face through our suffering so that we can take the steps to walk through it. God, thank you for going through this. Thank you for sending your son so that we can be aligned with you. That was the only way. Thank you so much. It's in your son's name we pray.